Hello and welcome to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard. Thank you so much for joining us. In this segment, we're going to be speaking with Dr. Richard Stefanacci. He's joining us here as an adjunct assistant professor at Thomas Jefferson University and author of a July 2022 study on urinary incontinence related to overactive bladder. He's joining us to discuss the startling findings of this study from the 70-question survey of 71 U.S. directors of nursing in long-term care settings. Welcome to Health Professional Radio. Richard, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you, Neil. Well, a little bit about yourself briefly, and then let's talk about the study. Sure. So I'm a practicing internist geriatrician. As you mentioned, I'm faculty at Thomas Jefferson University, and my clinical practice is primarily focused in the long-term care setting. Was the long-term care setting your first love going into to medicine? Did something happen to uh, put you into that uh, space? Well, that's pretty funny, Neil. Actually, I um, celebrated my eighth birthday in a long-term care facility. My family owned and operated that for over 50 years and uh, um, spent all weekends, holidays involved there. So I guess as a result of that, found a passion for caring for older adults. What is it about long-term care that exacerbates OAB? So there's a few things that you can imagine. One, individuals in long-term care setting tend to be fairly frail. That's why they're in that type of setting. Um, in addition to that, the the environment that they're in, you know, regarding meals, drinking, access to the bathroom, um, and their overall chronic comorbid conditions, other conditions that are affecting them, makes them more likely to be impacted by overactive bladder. Is urinary incontinence and overactive bladder the same thing, or are there huge differences? No, so as as with a lot of things, there's a lot of gray area. So mm-hmm. overactive bladder, kind of think of it as the umbrella um, condition. And then underneath that are several signs and symptoms. The, the hallmark of overactive bladder is urgency, that feeling that you need to get to the bathroom quickly. Mm-hmm. And along with that are urinary incontinence, so losing one's urine before they got to the bathroom, as well as increased frequency, having to go to the bathroom more often, and something that we refer to as nocturia, especially at nighttime, having to go to the bathroom multiple times during the evening. Are long-term care facility staff normally uh, trained in dealing with uh, overactive bladder or urinary incontinence? Does it just is it just par for the course in their training? Are there specialized courses involved? No. So you know, since it's so prevalent in the mm-hmm. long-term care setting, you know, it's part of the, the normal training. But okay. unfortunately, with COVID. There's so many additional burdens that the long-term care staff is under that kind of treating and managing overactive bladder has kind of fallen as not a big priority. But from the patient standpoint, it's a big deal. It's such a big deal. As you can imagine, you know, our focus as long-term care providers is really the resident's quality of life. Mm -hmm. And when you look at things that really impact one's quality of life, as you can imagine, having overactive bladder is, is one of those things. Why was this study conducted in July concerning urinary incontinence related to overactive bladder? Why it was undertaken a few reasons. So one, again, overactive bladder was recognized as a serious condition. And we were targeting, you know, the heart and soul of nursing homes, which is the nursing staff, because they're there 24-7. So we wanted to get a sense of what their level of knowledge around overactive bladder, the opportunities and challenges in caring for individuals, residents in their facility, uh, and really get a sense of what the gaps are 
you know, for developing opportunities for improved that condition and management. What would you say are a couple of the huge unmet needs when it comes to the standard of care for treating OAB and UI in long-term care settings? So, you know, Neil, not surprisingly, it starts with, you know, one, recognizing that it's a problem and something that uh, long-term care healthcare providers can and should address. You know, two, that there's a lot of great treatment options out there, both pharmacologic medications as well as non-pharmacologic, you know, things that we could do as far as setting up toileting schedules. Mm -hmm. Um, And then really making sure that everybody in the facility knows that it's kind of a team sport that the consultant pharmacist, therapist, nursing staff, certified nursing aides, you know, physicians, nurse practitioners, everybody can play a significant part in improving the quality of life through management of overactive bladder. Now, I understand you surveyed 71 U.S. directors of nursing or nursing or, or DONs in long-term care settings. And it's my understanding that uh, some of the findings were rather startling. What was surprising to you? Well, you know, I, and I don't know if surprising is the right word because, again, I've been involved in long-term care, you know, mm-hmm. as a clinician for over 30 years. I think disappointed was more of it or, mm-hmm. you know, realizing that, you know, that this appointment could be turned into an opportunity. So the major ones was, you know, around the fact that while overactive bladder is a big issue, there seemed to be a lot of gaps in the directors of nursing's uh, level of appreciation for the problem. And such things as, you know, that a lot of medications that have been previously used in the past for overactive bladder have a lot of adverse events. And the uh, the directors of nursing didn't appreciate that. And these are medications that have been around for a while that could make cognitive impairment uh, more of an issue. And that's already an issue, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. in the long-term care setting. So we don't need to do anything that would make it worse. Was there uh, anything disappointing when it came to the nurses' attitudes toward this particular condition as opposed to all of the other things that would be going on with a particular patient? Hey, so Neil, I don't, I wouldn't use the word disappointing. I think that again, the, the nursing staff, again, it was tough before, but with COVID, they've mm-hmm. all been under a significant level of stress. So I think it was just an appreciation on my part for, you know, all the other priorities and just trying to figure out a way to make sure that um, we made this as easy as possible for them to appreciate that there's a solution for managing it and not an additional burden. Could actually, in a way, make their lives easier. As you can imagine, you know, somebody that's got urinary incontinence having to go to the bathroom frequently, it's a tremendous burden on the nursing staff. Mm. So by treating that, we could actually reduce nursing burden and staff time. Were there any challenges based on the fact that a patient was male or female, or, or is it just tough across the board, especially with some of the added COVID uh, factors? Well, you know, in the long-term care setting, the vast majority of residents are female mm-hmm. uh, in most in most facilities, it's probably as high as 80%. And that's just by virtue of, you know, in the United States, as in most countries, life expectancy is greater for women than men. Um, in men, it tends to be an issue related more to their prostate, but there's mm-hmm. certainly things that can be done. Um, the other issue that I run into is, you know, you're probably familiar with white coat syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, so white coat syndrome is when I walk into an exam room, I'll artificially elevate your blood pressure. But the other white coat syndrome, especially with female residents, is they tell me what they think I want to hear. Uh, so when I ask, you know, are you having any problems, you know, urinating, getting up in the middle of the night, they will say no. 
and then I get grabbed by the nursing staff that goes, you know, Mrs. Jones was up all night going to the bathroom. She's going through diapers, you know, at 10 per day. Mm-hmm. You know, there really needs to be something to be addressed. So, you know, again, realizing and appreciating that it's an issue and digging in deep and getting it from the nursing staff is critically important. You mentioned many of the drugs that have been used as a standard of care in treating UI and OAB in these long-term care settings were causing adverse effects. Are there many safe alternatives, or are we still trying to develop safer alternatives to these drugs that um, have negative cognitive effects? Hey, so a few things there, Neil. So one, you know, obviously we try to do things without medications first. Mm -hmm. Um, When that's not successful, you know, we don't want to delay too much time, but we want to use medications. Um, I had a colleague of mine who passed away a number of years ago, Mark Beers, and he developed something called the Beers Criteria, which identified medications that are potentially harmful for um, older adults. And that list includes some of these older medications for overactive bladder, again, for that reason of um, impacting, negatively impacting cognition. So over the last few years, you know, there's been newer medications that come to market that don't have that side effect profile that um, we can utilize for overactive bladder without, you know, the risk of cognitive impairment. Is there anything that you'd like to add for our listeners? And if you have a, a web resource where we can learn more, feel free to uh, give that to us. Google the study. You can know, do my name, Stefanacci, overactive bladder, and it'll come up. And I think that's a great starting point. And the other thing is that Again, in, in our desire, both for long-term care residents and those in the community, to improve the quality of life, don't forget that there's things that we could do to recognize and treat overactive bladder. And it'll really make a difference in the quality of life, not just for our residents, but for the staff as well, and other caregivers taking care of them. Well, Richard, I appreciate your time and your information this evening. Thank you much, so much for joining us here on Health Professional Radio. Looking forward to another conversation. Thanks, Neil. Appreciate the time. You've been listening to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard, in conversation with Dr. Richard Stefanacci. Audio copies of this program are available at hpr.fm and healthprofessionalradio.com.au. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Listen in, download at SoundCloud, and be sure and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com, Health Professional Radio.